0: And he got the recipe, but he doesn't eat the meat raw because now we know things about meat. So here's the deal. Have you checked your worldview lately? Have you looked at how you look at the world lately to see if you're looking at it the right way or just doing it because that's what somebody told you. So let's go to John chapter 1 and learn about Jesus being God in the flesh. John chapter 1 is a very popular portion of scripture about the deity of Christ. I've read it here many times, but I hope to expound on it. Let's go to Verse 1, in the beginning was the, come on, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Thank you. I think that settles it right there, doesn't it? It should. Does, I mean, it should settle it. I mean, I don't see any uh, any confusion there. But believe it or not, there are things that get confusing for people. One of the problems is people don't know who the Word is. They say, Joe, we're talking about Jesus. Why are you showing me a scripture that talks about the Word? This is because a lot of people don't understand Jesus was the name given when the Word became flesh. He was already in heaven before this. He was known as the Word. He was known as the Son. But the angel told Mary, when the Son comes in the flesh, call him Jesus. So when we think about the terms uh, incarnation and Jesus, we should understand that before he was incarnated and called Jesus, he was always the word. No tricks up my sleeve there. And what does the word incarnate sound like? Carne. What does carne sound like, my Latino speakers? (laughs) Meat. So when we say Jesus is incarnation in meat, Jesus came in meat. That's literally what it means. Jesus came in the flesh. So before he came in the flesh, what was his name? The Word. What was another name for him? the sun. And we're going to learn about that. Now, that might be a little bit easier than the next part, so you got to follow with me. Now, some people in our greatest competition are these people when it comes to the worldview. It's not the Mormons. It's not the Jehovah Witnesses. It's actually the oneness Pentecostals. They shout just like us. They have great services just like us. You might see some on Facebook, like Josh Fergenstein. He talks like this, and he says, we're going to live for Jesus. And then Marcus Rogers, the African-American guy that was in the military, On the south side of Chicago, they are oneness Pentecostals. Why are they known as that? Because they deny the Trinity. They believe God is just one person. And here's how they'll prove it to you. They'll say, see, the word is Jesus. We know that's who he is. And he was with God and he was God. So that means he's the Father too. And then they'll take you to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and they'll say, Baptize in the one name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then they'll show you in the book of Acts the disciples baptizing in the name of Jesus. So they'll say, what name should we baptize in? In the name of Jesus. And Jesus is the name of the Father. Jesus is the name of the Son. And Jesus is the name of the Holy Spirit. It sounds kind of interesting, doesn't it? That can trick a lot of people. But here's the thing. This scripture disproves them. Can I show you how? How? Look at the part before it says before it says the word was God. It says the word was with God. In the Greek pros ton theon. Pros meaning with face to face. Can you be face to face with yourself? Can you be face-to-face with yourself? No, you can't. Sometimes I ask that question and people say, yeah, I think I can be with myself. No, my friends, there has to be two or more people for you to be with somebody. Otherwise, you're not using the words correctly. So what we believe this is simply saying is that in the beginning was the Word. The Word is with God and the Word was God like the one he was with. But don't take my word for it. Let's read through the rest of the passage because I've actually skipped ahead and read it. And let's see if that comes out to be true because that's that's what I believe he's saying. In verse 2, it says, he was with God in the beginning. So notice you're not with yourself. The word is with somebody that's not him. Let's keep going. And it says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, sometimes people like to say, well, Jesus was just a good man, but I don't believe he was God. Let me ask you something. How many creators does the Bible have? How many creators does the Bible have? One. So if Jesus is the one that made you, what must he be according to the Bible? Your creator, your God. Let's keep going. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Well, hold on. Now we're talking about the creation of life? Let me ask you something. What does this, where does this phrase, in the beginning, appear elsewhere in the Bible? Genesis chapter what? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we hear that phrase, so let's look at it. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. Wow, so when it says in verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, who is the one who breathed into the dust and made Adam live? According to the Bible, who is it? God, who? Says the word. No Jesus or son is mentioned yet. Stick with the titles and terms that we have right here. It says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who's the he? Say the word. The word. Amen. Don't make up stuff. Look at the Bible. See, people think I pastors trick people. Y'all skipping ahead. Don't skip ahead. Who was with God in the beginning according to this passage right now? The Word, okay? In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. According to John, who is him right there? The Word. So who's the one that got down and breathed into our dust? What's his name? The Word. Don't complicate it. Don't skip ahead. John's making a point. The point is the Word was there from the beginning. The Word made all things, and guess what? The Word also made you, okay? Now, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this can be confusing for some people because there's two main Johns in the Bible. We are in the Gospel of John, and that's John the Apostle's writings. Then there's John the Baptist who came before Jesus, who was the last prophet of the Old Testament. That's who we're talking about here, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. Who are we supposed to believe in to be saved? God. We're supposed to believe in God. So Jesus must be God if we're asked to believe in him to be saved. You're never told in the Bible to believe in anybody for salvation other than God. He himself was not the light, but he came as a witness to the light. And so when you read in the book of Matthew, when it talks about John the Baptist's message, it actually comes from Malachi where it says, I will send my prophet ahead. He will be a voice in the wilderness saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Do you know that when it says prepare ye the way of the Lord, that actually means Jehovah, Yahweh, God, prepare the way of God. John the Baptist is preparing the way for God. Let's keep going. The true light that gives light to everyone was in the world. Was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though he made the world, the world did not recognize him. So once again, using the title in the passage we've already read, who is the one who created the world?
1: The worst. Now you're like a little nervous, and you don't know what to say.
0: There's really only two titles you've been given in these first ten verses: the Word and God okay? The Word has been differentiated from God since the beginning of this passage. And the Word, in the beginning was the Word and He was with God, okay? So who was the one who was in the world, made the world, but the world didn't recognize Him? What's His name? The word, thank you. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all those who did receive him believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now what is the name of the word that we're all supposed to believe in? What is that name? Jesus. Now that becomes clear. Why does John expect you to know his name already? Because the gospel's been preached to you about Jesus, but now when he's writing it to you, he wants you to tell you, he wants to tell you where Jesus came from. John is the same author of John 3:16 that said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we're going to learn that the son The word, Jesus, same person, but don't skip ahead. Now notice when you believe in him, you become children of God. Children not born of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And why is it important that we know that we're born of God by Jesus Christ? Because Isaiah said that we would be children of the Messiah. Now, when the Messiah came, you know what the Jews said? You can't, when Jesus came as the Messiah. They said, you can't be the Messiah because you have not conquered the evil of this world. Now they missed Jesus and crucified him because they missed the first and second coming. If Jesus would have came and just went straight to judgment and not died on the cross, you know who would be in hell? All of us, including the Jewish people. So why did Jesus come the first time? To conquer us and bring Armageddon? No, he came to die on the cross for our sins. That's what Isaiah 53 says. But then they try to say, well, even in Isaiah 53 verse 10, it says the Messiah will have offspring. And they say, see, Christians, Jesus wasn't even married. He had no children. But what does John tell us? We become his children. Look at it again. He gives us the right to become children of God now guess what this is where the oneness Pentecostal comes back and he goes I got you guys because when we go to Isaiah chapter 7 we're talking about Jesus which is obvious go to Isaiah chapter 7 verse 9 Isaiah chapter 7 it says the child the virgin shall give birth verse 14 the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son this is 600 years before the birth of Jesus And he will do all these things. And let's keep going. And he shall be called Emmanuel, mighty God. Let me go to Isaiah um, chapter, oh, excuse me, Isaiah 9 rather. Isaiah 7 is the virgin birth, and he shall be called God with us. But let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. I believe it's verse 10. And I want to show you where the Oneness Pentecostal will try to get you guys. And you say, man, Pastor, why do you talk about the cults and different things? Because I want you to be able to have an answer for them when they call upon you to ask you for why you believe what you believe. Now watch what they'll say. For to us, a child is born. How many have heard this around Christmas time? And to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. What, shall he also be called after Mighty God? everlasting father prince of peace you know what the one is Pentecostal will do he'll say look Jesus is the father see we told you Jesus is the same as the father he gets called everlasting father and what do we call the Holy Spirit wonderful what counselor see Jesus is the counselor of John 14 he's the father in the Bible there's your Jesus the child is born he's our Holy Spirit here's our father Now, we go back to the passage that we're looking at right here. Listen to what it says. We are born from Jesus as children of God, and in that way, Jesus is a father to us. But get this. I am a father to my children, and I still have a father named Jim Wyrostek. Just because I'm a father to those children right there, does that mean I'm Jim Wyrostek, my own father? See, get it? Just because Jesus does the work of a father, and we also say you're a father to us, does that mean he's the person of God the Father? No, he's not. See, I've skipped ahead. Trust me, we're going to get to the verses here in just a moment. Am I the same person as Jim Y. Rostick, my father? But am I also a father? You see how simple I make it for you guys? It's very simple. I am not Jim Y. Rostick, my father, but I'm a father to them. Is Jesus God the father? No. Is Jesus God the father? No. But is he a father to us? Yes, because we become children of God through him. And guess what? Is the Holy Spirit also a father to us? Yes, because the Holy Spirit literally gives us the word, the seed of God. And guess what the word word means or seed means in Greek? The word seed means sperma. What's that, what does that sound like, sperma? sperm. The Holy Spirit's what drops the sperm of God in our hearts to make us born again. Because John chapter 3 verse 3 says that we must be born again. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all act as our progenitor, as our spiritual parent to make us new. Very truly I tell you, John 3 verse 3, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus is going to be involved in that. The Holy Spirit's going to be involved in that, and the Father is going to be involved in that. Now, notice it says we're born again, not of natural descent, so you're not born into it, nor of human decision. No one can do it for you, and you're not born into it because your husband wants you to do it, like children being born because the man wants to get it on. No, it says literally the reason why we're born again is because it's his decision. Now, can you reject God's decision? Yes, you can, but he is offering every single one of us a chance to be born again. How many are born again already? How many are children of God already? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Now are you ready to hear the answer to what I said in verse 1? Are you guys ready? Look at it now. Verse 14, we now for the very first time hear the titles of Son and Father. We have not heard it in the first 13 verses. Verse 14 says, the Word became flesh made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Are you guys ready to go back to verse 1 and put in the titles there now? You guys ready? Let's go back to verse 1. So we know that the father and son have been together and the son is the one who became flesh because in verse 14 it says the word became flesh. So let's know who the word is now. In the beginning was the son. In the beginning was the son and the son was with the father and the son was God like the father. Now you might think, oh, you, you, you pushed that part a little bit too far at the end when you said the son is God like the father. Let's just keep going because remember I skipped ahead. How many of you read your Bible before you came to church? You should read your Bible every day, Amen. John testified concerning him said this is the one who I spoke about he who comes before me or he who comes after me has surpassed me because he comes before me notice what John the Baptist says in time he's coming after me I'm his older cousin John the Baptist was the older cousin of Jesus but he said hey the guy that I'm actually coming before has come way before me you get what he's saying there about his cousin He's saying about his cousin, this man's God, he came way before me. Look at it again. He who comes after me, he comes after him. He was born first. Jesus came after him in birth. Remember that? When, when Mary told uh, John the Baptist's mother she was pregnant, John the Baptist jumped around in the womb. He, he was already in the womb by the time she got pregnant. Are you guys listening? So he says, I came before him. He came after me in that way. But he has always been before me. Now watch verse 16. Out of his fullness. Now we're talking about the son who we know is the word. We have all received grace in place of grace already given. And only God can give us grace. Now look at verse 17. For the law was given through Moses and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. Y'all better not say his name weak. Now, you were saying it wrong all the way up before. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Say it now when you're supposed to say it like you mean it. Grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. That's the first time the name is mentioned now in the book of John. There it is. Because he wanted to build your theology. He didn't want you just to take it because somebody gave it to you. He didn't want you just eating raw meat because grandpappy did it. Auelo did it. He wanted you to think about it. Go back to the beginning and think about who was there. Think about who he was and who he was with. Think about what John the Baptist said about him and how important he was. Think about how he gives grace and fulfills the law and brings a new covenant. That's why we're not stoning rebellious children. That's why we don't all have to stop eating pork. He came to give a new covenant. Now, just so you can see the end of this thought right here, verse 18 is like, uh, verse 1 is the one part of the bun, the top bun. Verse 18 is the bottom bun and mm, all the good stuff in between. Come on. Look at how he now ends it. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, is in the closest relationship with the Father and has made him known. Hmm. Did you all learn something in church today? We have thwarted the heresies of oneness Pentecostals. We've thwarted Jehovah Witnesses that don't think he's God. We've thwarted Mormons. You know those Mormons, they look really nice riding their bikes, but they believe some crazy stuff. You know what they literally believe? That Jesus was born as a spirit in heaven with Satan as his brother because God had sex with his multiple wives, and that's where all of us came from, by the way. And then when Jesus needed a body, do you know how Jesus got a body? God the Father came and hollered at Mary and said, let me in, girl. Let's get it on. Y'all think I'm crazy. Ask a Mormon how Jesus got his body. They say literally God the Father had sex with Mary. That's how he got his body. I'm not even making it up. You can Google it when you're out of church because let's not waste time on Mormonism. And then the oneness Pentecostals want to say, Jesus is the Father, Son, and Spirit because it kind of said that before. No, it didn't. All you had to do was read through it to understand what it was saying. So look at your neighbor and say, review is for you. If all that you remember today is three verses, I'm going to give them to you right now. John 1.1, John 1.14, and John 1.18. You guys ready? In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's John 1, 1, really simple. Who is the Word and who is the God He's with? Go to verse 14. Word became flesh. made his dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Oh, wow, that's who He's with, full of grace and truth. Now, what is the nature of Jesus? Oh, He's God like His Father because no one's ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God, who's in close relationship with the Father. He has made him known. So that's why when we read John 1:1, 1, 1, we just simply read it as in the beginning was the word aka the son and the son was with God the Father and the Son, aka the Word, was God just like His Father. Just like I'm a human and my son's a human. That's what He's saying. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now the difference is we don't believe in three gods like I'm a different person and my son's a different person. We believe in the Blessed Trinity which is God is three persons and one nature. And so when we go back to Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The name's not Jesus. The name is Yahweh. The name is Jehovah, the great God of Israel. And He is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. And when we look at the book of Acts and they said they baptized in the name of Jesus, that doesn't mean they said in the name of Jesus I baptize you because He's the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No, we know they baptized like us because church history said baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But what did it mean when it said they baptized in the name of Jesus? By the authority of Jesus. That's what we mean when we pray in the name of Jesus. We literally mean by the authority of Jesus. So how does They have their baptism of authority from Jesus. And when they actually did it, how'd they do it? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. So when we look to the Bible, we see that Jesus has been there all along. Now, let me help you with this. The Bible says it's okay to refer to the pre-incarnate Son as Jesus. That's cool. But remember that Jesus was God becoming man. In heaven for all of eternity, he was known as the Word or the Son. Now, some people at this point might now say, like Jews, they may say, you Christians, you all just make up stuff. We don't believe your New Testament. We don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. But guess what? We've got some problems with their old Testament because they have visitations from God all the time, looking just like one of us, and yet they believe God can't be seen. You guys want to hear that contradiction? Let me help you explain the gospel to Jews. Go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. I want to make this very clear to you our Bible is not meant to be misunderstood, it's meant to be understood. So when you go to uh, Exodus chapter 33, you see that God and Moses are friends. How many think God and Moses were friends? They they were friends, right? Okay. Now notice this right here. Moses asks God if he can see his face. He says, man, I want to see your face. Now notice what he says right here. He says, then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So can we see God's face? Yes or no? No, let's go again. Look at verse 20. But he said, You cannot see my face. Now, watch even more clear. Not only can you not see his face, for no one may see me and live. Okay. Now notice when John was talking in John 1:18, he actually refers to that same belief system of the Jews because he doesn't want them to think like he's making a new religion. Jesus was Jewish coming from the Old Testament. So he takes that same phrase, that phrase and puts it right in here in his gospel. He says, "No one has ever seen no one's ever seen God." So we see in Exodus, the one who wrote Moses, the Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, first five books of the Bible. Moses is saying, God told me, I can't see his face, and I can't even see him and live. Y'all ready for a contradiction in the Bible? Let's see what you would say, now somebody points this out to you. Watch this. Go up. the same chapter, same author. Look at verse 11 right here. Just go up a little bit here. Then the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. You all see that? I'm trying to highlight it for you right here. There you go. So, how would you explain that? If he just told him in the same chapter two times Man, you can't see my face. You can't even see me and live. But prior to that, it said Moses talks face to face with God like a friend. And guess what? When we go back to our notes, Abraham. In chapter 18, meets with God face to face. Just look at it, Genesis. Same author, Moses wrote Genesis two, telling the history of the people. The Lord appeared to Abraham. You go through the rest of this. Jacob wrestles with God in Genesis 22. Moses speaks to him face to face. Joshua meets him as the commander of the Lord's army. David said, he's my shepherd. He's also his Lord. Isaiah said, I saw him high and lifted up. And Daniel said, I saw him as the son of man. But yet, we believe no one has ever seen God. What's the problem there? Somebody wants to shout it out. Somebody shout it out. Who have we seen? Who have we seen? Who have we not seen? God the Father. Don't say God only belongs to the Father. It says no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God. So who have we never seen? The Father. God the Father. Who have we seen? God the Son, there it is. The Father says, dude, you can't even look on me. Jesus says, I'll hang out with you every day. Think about it. There's only one mediator between God the Father and man, and that's Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. There's only, only, only been one mediator. Jesus has always been there. Before he took on flesh, he was there. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. I'll show you another one of these neat things in the Bible. That's why I don't have to keep telling you, get up out your grave, your dead Lazarus. I know you got issues, but God's going to heal. I don't have to do that every time you come to church. Why? Because I'm going to teach you the Bible. I'm going to teach you doctrine, and then that doctrine will get you healed. That doctrine will get you right, because the more you learn about Jesus, the more you experience Jesus' power. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So let's look at this. Isaiah, he's a prophet. This is 600 years before Jesus ever comes in the flesh. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Who did he see? He sees the Lord. He says, I saw Adonai. Don't go skipping it. Now you all shouting out Jesus when you ain't supposed to yet. Who does he say he saw? The Lord. The Lord, how many lords are there in the Bible? One, worship the Lord thy God and no other no other idols. You can't do any of that, right? Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on his throne. A train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. That's the six-winged angels. Two, uh, two wings covered their faces, two their feet, and two they were flying with. There's some bad creatures right here. And they were calling out to one another. This is just for the Jehovah witnesses who always want to say, well, Jesus is a second created God. First of all, there ain't no other gods other than our God. And this ain't no lesser God. Look at what it says. Holy, holy, holy is Jehovah Almighty, is Yahweh Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So who did he see? He saw the Lord, amen? He saw, and, and the reason why we say Jehovah or Yahweh, is you can see, Yahweh's more of, of a Hebrew word. Uh, Jehovah is where they get from German. So whenever I talk Jehovah Witnesses, I'm like, you got the name wrong to begin with. In Hebrew, it's Yahweh, Jehovah. They didn't even speak German back then. The reason why they say Jehovah as their name is because they take the name of the reformers that we had, and then they twist their doctrine around. So we got to get them right, Amen. So, so we he saw Jehovah. He saw the Lord. He saw Yahweh. Right? No doubt about it. We we know who we saw. But now let's go to the book of John. John chapter, where I have it, John chapter 12, verse 41, and let's look at who Isaiah saw in the person of God. Did he see the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? Now the Bible says nobody can see the Father and live. So let's see what he saw. We'll go up right here. It says, Isaiah said this because he saw God. Jesus glory and spoke about him. Who did Isaiah see? Why are you all lame when you got the, the time to say the name right, but you all shout out it wrong? Are you just shy of saying his name now? Don't say Jesus at the wrong time. We're going to get in trouble with Pastor. What I'm trying to do is have you think through it and just stop shouting Jesus every place you want to put him, which I believe he's there, but I'm, I want you to learn why we put his name there. Do you understand? In Isaiah chapter 6, we don't see Jesus. Right here, we don't see Jesus' name written here. Does anybody see the word Jesus here? No, it says, I saw the Lord and the Lord Almighty. Don't say his name. But when we go to John twelve forty one, Isaiah said this, because he saw Jesus. Jesus is glory. Now it means something. Now that's why you can tell somebody, I believe Jesus is God. You don't just say it and expect them to believe it. You teach them the way I'm teaching you. You say, who did Isaiah see? Show a Jehovah witness that. Who did he see? Oh, he saw God. I know he saw God. Okay, he saw him in his glory too, right? All the seraphim, yeah, yeah. Okay, guess what Jesus is? God. There he is. He saw Jesus. Well, he saw the Father. He saw the no, no. The Bible says nobody sees the Father. Take him to Exodus 33, and you can't see the Father and live. Even John 1:18 says no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is at the Father's right hand. He has made Him known. So we're talking about Jesus in the Old Testament, and by the way, that's why you can use the word Jesus to refer to Him in the Old Testament because this is what John did. John said he saw Jesus' glory. Now, once again, we know Jesus didn't get that name until he was incarnated. He was only known as the Son or the Word back then. But it's okay to apply it to Jesus in the past because the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has never changed in being God. So when we look to the Old Testament, if you believe Jesus are the, uh, is the people, Jesus is the person showing up to these people, let me get an amen. How many believe Jesus showed up to Abraham? How many believe Jesus wrestled with Jacob? How many believe Jesus was Moses' friend he met with face to face? How may, y'all saying amen's too weak? Can you say amen like you mean it now? How many believe Jesus is the one that, that Joshua met as the Lord's commander? How many believe Jesus is David's shepherd? How many believe Jesus is David's Lord? How many believe Jesus is the one Isaiah saw full in glory? How many believe it was Jesus that Daniel saw and called the Son of Man? Amen. So I'll show any Jew, any Muslim, any person that doubts what we're saying is true because they try to say somebody changed the New Testament to make Jesus out to be God. Jack, that ain't true. God's already contradicted himself in the Old Testament unless you call him Jesus. Unless you got an explanation for Exodus chapter 33 and all these others, you got contradicting God in the Bible. Jesus is the one, by the way, who reveals the mystery. That's why it's actually said Jesus reveals the mystery. Oh, come on. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Let me show you just, you know, we were at John 1, one, but let me get you Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 breaks it down. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Through him also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all you sustained right now by the power of Jesus, by his powerful word. After he provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. You see, that's why the Bible says that, that mystery. It's been revealed now. That's why when Hebrews starts out, he's like, man, you want to know how God's been operating? He's been using his son. So when we go to the New Testament, now it's easy to understand who Jesus is. Are you tracking with me? So according, if you believe this is Jesus, come on, somebody, let me get an amen. How many believe Jesus is the eternal word? How many believe Jesus is the one Thomas worships? Amen. Can I show you that? Go to John chapter 20, verse 26. Thomas was doubting, wasn't he? He said, man, I don't know if I believe he raised from the dead. I won't believe unless I touch him and put my hands on his side. Look where Jesus come and stood among them. He walked right through a locked door. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Uh, Thomas, you were talking. Uh, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your hands here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. Stop doubting and believe. Therefore, uh, what did Thomas say back to him? My Lord and my, what did Thomas call him? My Lord and my God. So who is Jesus? He's my Lord and my God. See, Jehovah's Witnesses will say, He's Lord like Master, but He ain't God like the Father. Oh, He's both. He's your Master and He's your God. Deal with it. Now, sometimes they try to be real slick and they try to say, Thomas touched him and then he goes, Woo, my Lord and my God. No, 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 no. He looked right at him and said, My Lord, my God it wasn't an expression back up to God he's having a conversation with Jesus and he looked to Jesus and he said my lord and my god and that's why Jesus said bless you have because you have seen me you believe but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe how many of you have touched Jesus' side can i see a hand raised if you've touched how many have actually touched his hand none of us here but how many of y'all believe he's your lord and your god amen you're even more blessed than thomas the bible says you're more blessed than the man who actually touched him because you believe and have greater faith than Thomas did that day. Amen. They're there for our example. We've probably have been doubting too, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? We'd have been like Peter, quitting, going fishing, but God was merciful to them. And he's there, they're, they're there for our example. If you believe he's our great God and Savior of Titus 2.13, can I hear an amen? If you believe he's the image of the invisible God with the fullness of God in bodily form, can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's go there. Colossians 1.15. You want to know who Jesus is? Look at who Jesus is. Colossians 1.15. No tricks up my sleeve. Just read it and believe it. The Son is the image of the invisible God. So who is the invisible God everybody's been talking to? The Son, who we now know his name is Jesus. Jesus. Then then somebody will point out, oh, it says firstborn of all creation. So that means he had a created time. No, 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 no. Firstborn means firstborn from the dead. He's the first one to raise as a human. Now we become like him. Because then it goes on, for in him all things were created. Do you think Paul would have contradicted himself within two uh, of a verse, within what, five words? Listen, if he's the firstborn in the sense of firstborn of all creation, if that means he's created, then how can he... Be the one that everything has created from. For in him, how many things were created? All things were created, things in heaven or on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. And it says it again. How many things have been created by him? All things have been created through him and for him. So look, if they try to say, oh, firstborn, firstborn, that means Jesus was the first one God created, and then God used him to create this other stuff. How many things belong in all things? How many things belong in all things, people? All things. So is Jesus the one creating all things, or is he over here a part of things that have been created? According to the Bible, he's the creator of all things. So can he himself be created No, it tells you he's the firstborn from the dead. Can I show you? Just keep reading. He is before all things, and him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. Aren't you glad the Bible clarifies questions that people ask? Why is he the firstborn? Firstborn from those among the dead. Guess what? We get to be born again from the dead, too. We come up from the grave, get a resurrected body. See, that's what we have to understand, folks, is that the resurrection of Jesus was not for him. He was already God. He was already perfect in heaven. The death, burial, and resurrection was for us, people who lost our place upon this earth. So if Jesus never would have died, we would all go to hell. And if Jesus doesn't have flesh on right now, nobody gets new flesh when they die. Think of it like this. Jesus keeps his flesh as a conduit to touch the human race so all of us get flesh. If Jesus ever stops having flesh you ain't gonna live forever like Jesus come on Jesus's identification for man did not stop at the grave when he rose again he purposely showed Thomas I still got flesh and blood I am not a spirit and the reason why he is not a spirit so he can be the firstborn among the rest of us being his brothers and sisters getting raised from the dead can I hear an amen Amen. Let me show you Romans chapter 8, verse 32, I believe, to show you that he's the firstborn to give us all resurrection. Look at what it says right here about Jesus, how he has the power over all of these things so that we can have the same birth from the dead he got. Look at it. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his what? of his son. So oftentimes when you see God being used like this, you know it's now referring to the father. It's so clear. Just because the son's not always being called God doesn't mean he's God. It's just showing you the different persons. So the father predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son that he, talking about Jesus, might be the firstborn among what? Many many what? Brothers and sisters. So when we get born again, we now have Jesus on the inside when we raised from the dead. Now we're like him in his body, in his perfect body. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Jesus shares the name of God in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the baptizing in the name. He is God who ra- rules on the throne of Israel. He rules over Israel. He is Peter's God. Look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse 11. 2 Peter chapter uh, 2, verse 1. How many think Peter knew who God was? You all so tired right now? How many think you know? Uh, how many believe you think Peter knew who God was? Okay, Peter knew who God was. How many think Peter knew who Jesus was too? Okay, now watch Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. According to uh, according to Peter, who is Jesus? He's God. According to Peter, who is Jesus? Okay, so what is Jesus to you? Is he just a good man? Is he a prophet? Is he just somebody you just think about every now and then? No. See, Peter knew who Jesus, he knew knew who Jesus was, and he knew who God was. And look at who he was, who Jesus was to him. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know that in the Jewish faith, you call anybody God other than God himself, you could be crucified, killed? That's why they killed Jesus, because he made himself equal to be God. You don't crucify somebody you love, people. And the revolution that Jesus caused was not one with sticks and stones and swords. Jesus caused a revolution by telling people who he was. That's what made them want to kill him is because he claimed to be God. And the reason why Peter knew he was God is because he saw him raised from the dead. Now, when we call Jesus God, does that mean he's God the Father? No, he's God like the Father. Understand the difference. If Jesus is called God, does that mean he's God the Father? Yes or no? No, but he's God like the Father. And then he's the beginning and the end. Go to book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 17, please. How many like the book of Revelation? Come on. Can I tell you about the book of Revelation? It's a book for winners, not for losers. How many of y'all winners here today? Okay. How many of y'all like to see your team win a championship? Amen. You know why we like to do that? Because we love to see winners in life. And you know what? Those who read the book of Revelation scared, they're on the loser side. Don't read the book of Revelation scared. Read it as a winner. I'm a winner. I read the book of Revelation. I'm clapping. I'm all happy everything's getting done. Amen. If you read it and you're scared, it's because you're on the loser side of it. Amen? Be on the winning side. How many of you are all excited for Revelation to happen? Amen. Some of you are like, well, it's still scary. I don't want it to happen. Well, you ain't like the people of the Bible then. Because look at what the people of the Bible are supposed to do. Look at Revelation chapter 22, last chapter of the book of Revelation. Look at it right here. It says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And what are we supposed to say back to him? Jesus says, I'm coming soon. What are we supposed to say? Hold up, Jesus. I'm scared. Is that what we're supposed to say? Hold up, Jesus. A lot of people I know are going to go to hell. It's going to make me so sad. Is that what it says? It says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come right now. Y'all ready for him to come? I'm telling you right now, it's sad when you see people going to hell. That is true. But I'm more excited about Jesus coming. Come right now. They were ready at any moment for Jesus to come because they knew they were on the winning side. Be on the winning side with the winners, not with the losers. Amen? The devil's a loser. Don't be one. Now, notice this. In the book of Revelation, when when John first meets uh, an angel, he tries to worship him. And the angel goes, no, 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 dude, we don't do that here. We only worship God. But now he worships Jesus. Now, watch this. When I saw him talking about Jesus, I fell at his feet. As though dead, then he placed his right hand on me and said, "Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last." Now let me ask you a question: How many first can there be? How many last can there be? There can only be one last, and there can only be one first. Let's see who the Bible says is the first and the last. Go to Isaiah, a lot of Isaiah today. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 21. Let's see who said that about himself. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4, rather, look at it. When this is done, who has done this, rather, and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the who? I, the who? The Lord, with the first of them and with the last, I am he. So according to this passage, who is the first and the last? The Lord. And according to Revelation, who is the first and the last? Jesus. Is there a contradiction? No, Jesus is the Lord, isn't he? And just in case somebody would say, oh, that's the Father talking. That's the Father talking there. They shouldn't put it in red, meaning it's Jesus. It says, I am, li- I am the living one. I was dead. Did the Father die for us? Did the Father take on flesh? No, that's only Jesus. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. That was a good place to say amen. So when we look at the ancient church, we should agree with the creeds that testify of the Trinity and the deity of Christ. I think oftentimes uh, us in this church, we get discouraged because we look at the the Catholic church and we say, I don't want to be like them. Now listen to me, I'm just like you, I don't like bells and smells, I don't like people dressing up like mother, calling themselves father, I don't like pointy hats, I don't want to get in a dark closet and confess my sins to Father Tom, that's gross, okay, I don't want to do any of that, but listen to me, I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, I don't throw away tradition, because this is what Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So if we are the first Christians on the planet, that means God got his tail whooped for 1,900 years. I don't believe that. I don't believe that God allowed his church to be defeated. So what we have to do is go back through church history and see by the scriptures what was true and what was not. And thankfully, there was a lot of truth there. Now, I have a book that's unpublished, but I have it online, Disciples of the First Disciples. If you go there, Disciples of the First Disciples, I believe it's... um, disciples of the first disciples.blogst blogspot.com. You can see that I have this wonderful book here. I have about uh, 16 chapters, and chapter 12 right here talks about how the church became dark, and I actually go through church history showing you where the Roman Catholic Church started acting crazy. It was around 575 that they began their monasteries, 590. They started with the first pope. Then they started calling themselves Roman Catholics and taking over control of all the other Christians, 596, and I show you where they start praying to the saints, where they start having uh, candles in their services, and they start doing. All these things, all the way down to modern times, right here. Uh, Skipped it too fast here. Oh, no, excuse me. That was a uh, summary. Let me go to their false doctrine here. All the way to the time, 1950s, when they said, hey, I think Jesus, I think Mary also ascended to heaven like Jesus. Do you know that not up until 1950, they didn't even believe the holy assumption of the Virgin Mary. They decided that in 1950. And so you can go through all of their doctrines right here. Kissing the Pope's feet started in 610, etc. Okay, now what is my point with saying all of that? My point is just because people have done bad things in the past doesn't mean everybody in the past is stupid. Okay? I believe this creed, and this creed is from 300 A.D. Why? Because I believe Jesus had Christians around at 300 A.D., I don't believe that everything just went to hell in a handbasket when the Roman Catholics started taking stuff over I believe that people also knew Jesus during that time and even though they might have been around the Orthodox Church or the Catholic Church They stayed holy now Why are we here today not meeting with them is because we've protested from them There's now so many negative things there that we need to have a church where we just go by the Bible That's why we say you want to kiss the Pope's feet just show me in the Bible You want to pray to the saints just show me in the Bible We'll be the first one to hoist a saint up here. Amen. We'll do it. If it's in the Bible, right? If the Bible tells me to dance on one foot uh, for two hours, I'll do it. I mean, I'll do whatever the Bible says. But of course, the Bible doesn't. So let's read this, remembering. Today, 2018, you're in agreement with people who gave their lives for this in the 300s. It's a precious thing to remember. It is necessary for eternal salvation that one also believe in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ faithfully. This is the true faith, This is what we have been believing all of these thousands of years. We believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, is both God and human equally. He is God from the essence of the Father begotten before time. He is human from the essence of his mother born in time. Now know this, God has always had the Son and the Father, uh, the Father and the Son, rather, have always been in a mutual submission, excuse me, the Son has always been in mutual submission to the Father as well as the Holy Spirit. Now some people like to say, well, if, if Jesus is in submission to his Father, then that means he's not God that is not true my wife is in submission to me but we're equally human your nature is not determined by your authority if there's a police officer here today and they have authority over you does that give them a greater nature than you do I am I more human than my children in the back because I have authority over them the Father is over the Son, and the Father and Son are over the Holy Spirit. Does that mean because they're in mutual submission to each other that the Holy Spirit and the Son are less than God as the Father? No, that's not what it means. And then here's the next thing. His human essence is from his mother. I do not want us to get so against Mary that we didn't denigrate her in, disrespectful, in a disrespectful way. Mother is, uh, Mary is the mother of God, if this is what you mean did God use Mary to give our God flesh in a body, absolutely. In that sense, she is the mother of God. We should respect and honor her. But do we believe that she's the mother of God? Like she had God DNA in her. She was born sinless, ascended to heaven herself, and she gave her God motherly DNA to the Son? Absolutely not. So remember, it's not, it's not destroy this and then forget about this. No, it's uphold tradition, but also uphold truth. She's not the mother of God in that way, but she's the mother of God in this way. And that's why we agree. Blessed is the virgin. Virgin Mary, above all women. We believe that. How many believe the Bible? Now, that doesn't mean she didn't get it on after that. She wasn't perpetual virgin. Jesus had two half-brothers. Joseph had to get him some. Are you listening? Sex is not a bad thing. Y'all get quiet when I talk like that. But there's two people in the Bible that, that are said to be his brothers, and they wrote books. James and Jude, those are her sons. She had children after that. I can show you that as well. He's Watch this. He was born in time. He's completely God and completely human with a rational soul and a human flesh, equal to God as regards to divinity, less than the Father as regards to humanity. Although he is God and human, yet Christ is not two but one, he is however not by his divinity turning excuse me he is one however not by his divinity turning into flesh but by God's taking humanity to himself. He is one certainly not by the blending of the essence. He didn't blend God and man together. He's still God, he's still man by the unity of his person. Now watch the example they give us 300 AD for just as us as humans have a spirit and flesh a soul and flesh so too Christ is both God and human and so that's the example that I always use when I, got, when I got up today and put on clothes did I stop being a human and start being my clothes no I was always a human and now I just took on clothes Jesus is not a man trying to be God that's what cult leaders do Jesus is God becoming man never stopping being God but simply putting on flesh now the difference between me putting on my clothes and him putting on his flesh my flesh is not a part of a nature but but uh, my, my clothes rather are not part of a nature but flesh has a nature so it, it is a bit more than clothes but the example still holds he never stopped being God he just put on flesh so just as one thank you Nancy for that thank you amen for just as one human is both rational soul and flesh so to the one Christ is both God and human for he suffered for our salvation, he descended to hell, he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, he is seated at the right father 's right hand, for there he will come to judge the living and the dead at his coming. All people will rise bodily and give an account of all their deeds. Those who have done good will enter eternal life, and those who have done evil will enter eternal fire. This is the universal faith; one cannot be saved without believing it firmly. And faithfully, if you believe it, can I hear an amen? Amen. That's what we believe. And that's what the church has always believed. Now, let me answer a couple basic questions before we go, okay? Let me just, just give you a couple basic questions that people ask all the time. Some people will say, if Jesus was God, man, why did he get tired? Why did God have to learn things? I mean, doesn't he know stuff? And uh, why was he able to die? Because God can't die, duh. They'll say things like that to you. Well, let's take those on real quick. Jesus allowed himself to be limited to the experience of a true person we, we took on flesh. Jesus wasn't being a Superman, y'all. So he actually was like us, but he limited himself to that. At the same time, he never stopped being God. Hey, when I wrestle with my children and I let them pin me down, does that not mean that I can't now throw them across the room if I really wanted to? Hello, you pinned me. You got me. Does that mean that I couldn't crush them in 30 seconds? What am I doing? I'm humbling myself, acting as one of them. That's what Jesus did for us. And by the way, when you die, the question is like, how could God die? Who can kill God? Hey, listen to me. When you die, you don't stop existing either. You just change locations. Death does not annihilate the soul. So when people are thinking like, how did God die? He couldn't die. His flesh died, dummy, just like your nails die. Your hair dies, but you're still here. And when all of that together dies, you go up to heaven or hell. When Jesus in the earth suit, the body died, he was like, hello. He went to hell, pimp slapped the devil, took all the authority and then presented himself before his father. So you don't stop existing when you lose your flesh either. Let's just think about it. Amen. Sometimes people think they're so smart, but they're really not. Another time, uh, another question people may ask you is something like this. Man, and you hear this from Muslims. If Jesus was really God, why didn't he just walk around going, dun, 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 I'm God. Worship me. And do something like Dark Vader. Like when you try to argue with him, he starts choking you and brings you to your knees and says, worship me, you fool. Why didn't Jesus do that? Well, the Bible actually tells us why he didn't do that. The Bible says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's why our Jesus was not like the pedophiling dictator Muhammad, raping and pillaging families and children. Our Jesus was a holy man. Are you listening to me? Their Muhammad had a nine-year-old bride raped and pillaged. See, they have an idea of a Middle Eastern war god our God is one of kindness and compassion. Our God is called love. He walked among us. So he wasn't there to do that. And then by the way, if he would have did that, do you think we ever could have crucified him and had him die for our sins? And if Jesus doesn't die for our sins, we all go to hell no matter how good it is for 50, 60 years. Because remember in the beginning, when you eat of this tree, you shall surely die the curse was given because of us so if jesus never died in our stead we would be with him we'd be really cool hanging out with jesus pokemon (laughs) yeah you would do that for about 30 40 years 60 years and then you would die you'd go straight to hell because there's no sacrifice Listen, all those Old Testament sacrifices didn't do anything. The Bible literally says they were just examples of the main sacrifice. So if Jesus never would have died in our place as the perfect man, everybody would have went straight to hell. So him dying was important. Remember Peter? He tried to stop this from happening because Peter was pretty smart. He's like, I'm smarter than God. Jesus wants to die, but i got a better way to bring the kingdom. We're all just going to kill people. So he pulls out his sword. He slices off the guy's ears. What does Jesus do? He goes, dude. Do you not understand this? I've got 5,000 angels that could light this whole place up right now if I wanted to. Two angels destroy Sodom and Gomorrah like we did with Hiroshima nuclear bomb. He said, I got 5,000 of them ready right now, but I have to go and do this. And then he was very clear. Nobody takes my life. I lay it down, and I will take it back up again. I'll be back. That's where it came from, Jesus. Amen? So that's what we tell them. How about this question? Have you ever been told this? Well, if Jesus was God, then why does he pray to God? Why does he pray to the Father? Is he talking to himself? Why does he say he has to learn from the Father and be given authority from the Father? See, after you explain people the Trinity, they ask you a stupid question about the Trinity. We don't believe Jesus is the Father. So that means on the cross, He's actually talking to another person, the same person He's been with for all of eternity. Do you want Him now to be an atheist on earth and be like, I am talking to you, Father. I'm not going to talk to you. He's going to talk to His Father. That's why when He teaches us to pray, He says, pray like this. Our Father, Jesus has a Father. And He says, I want you all to pray like how I pray. And what is prayer? Talking He talked to his father. You should talk to the father. He talked to the Holy Spirit too. And so that's all that means. And why was he given authority? The Bible tells us we lost the authority. That's why he had to come be a man. That's why he didn't come down and be a dog. That's why he didn't come down and be a sheep. He came down to be a man because this planet was given to men, but we sinned and gave our authority to the devil. So he said, I'll come and be one of them and get back what they lost. He already had the authority in heaven. He came down to get it for us. Last question. Some people may say, now, okay, well, i believe all that. But why does Jesus in Revelation, even after he's raised from the dead, say that God's his father and he loves the father and all that? Because as I explained before, he still has a human nature. And he's never given up the human nature. So, so what should he do now as a human, turn his back on God? He's going to show us for all of eternity what it's like to love and honor the father. If I love and honor my wife, does that mean that my wife is a different nature than me? I can love someone of the same human nature, but not uh, love them and not mean that they're greater than me in that way. The Father and the Son love each other, and they're not saying one is greater or one is less, because the Father loves the Son and gives Him all the glory. The Father never comes down and gets worshiped like that. It's always the Son. So the Son gets things the Father doesn't do. They do it out of mutual love. That's why marriage is compared to us and, uh, and our husbands and wives, the Christ and the church is compared to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The family is a representation of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are mutually in love and submission to each other. Doesn't get a lot of amens, but that's pretty awesome that God does that. Can I get Adam to come up here, please? Was this a little deep for you guys? Should I stop the Worldview series now? Are you guys ready to go back to Jonah and the whale? You guys ready to go back to Jonah and whale stuff? I love Jonah and the whale. You guys just want me to talk about that next week? Y'all going through problems, and you're trying to run away, but the whale's going to grab you up, and then God's going to spit you out. You're going to make Do you, you want me to go back to that? Are y'all actually want to learn about who God is? Like, kind of important? Jesus? Okay? All right. So give me a little more encouragement next time when you come. Amen? Uh, pastor appreciation. Let me tell you how you appreciate me. Just say amen when I preach. Amen? Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Not at this time. Go, thank you. But listen to this. I'm going to now apply this to your life, Philippians chapter 2, because the incarnation of Jesus Christ is not just for head knowledge. That's a lot of knowledge. I get I, I broke on you today. But if you go to Philippians chapter 2, you'll see that Paul applied all that Jesus did for us as an example. Look at what it says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if anyone has encouragement from being united with Christ. If any comfort from his love, how many know Jesus loves you? Amen. If any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. So y'all get along in the church. Be like-minded. Have the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So what's Paul about ready to teach us here? He's going to tell us stop being selfish. He's going to say start humbling yourself. Stop stop acting like you're a know-it-all. And what example do you think he's going to use? Jesus doing what? Jesus doing what? No, I I can't hear you. Doing what? I can't hear you. Say it louder. Don't say it like this because I can't hear you. It's a big place. It's not really that big, but it's big enough that I can't hear you if you whisper. So if you say it, just, if you just say it just a little bit louder, I can actually hear what you're saying, because I don't want to always be up here by myself, because I want to actually like have people talk to me, okay? So when I ask a question, I want to hear it, okay? Why do you think Paul is giving us an example of humility, and now what example do you think he's going to give us? No, not washing the disciples' feet, though. That's beautiful. Give me another one. Somebody. Go one at a time. That's okay. Shout it out. Yes, Stephanie. Jesus becoming God in the flesh. Were you in the first service? Let's give it up for her right now for getting that right. Come on. Remember remember the message. Just, sometimes it's just good to always go back. No offense, Jackie, but sometimes it's good to always go back and check what we're actually talking about. We're talking about God in the flesh. God in the flesh. That's a big deal. So when Paul says, hey, I want y'all to get along. I want you to like each other. I want you to be humble. What example do you think he's going to have? He's going to have the example of God in the flesh. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset as Jesus Christ. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was his mindset? Now it's going to teach you. Look at the minds. Look how beautiful this is. As a matter of fact, some theologians believe this might have been a song.
1: Who, being in very nature, God. Come on, sing that. Who, being in very nature, God. Sing who, being in very nature, God. Did not think it anything to be equal with God. Did not think it anything to be equal with God. He didn't use it to his own advantage. He didn't use it to his own advantage. I watch this. Rather he made himself nothing. Rather he made himself nothing. One more time. Rather. Rather he made himself nothing, rather he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, taking the very nature of a servant, he became human like me, he became human like me.
0: Woo! See, isn't that beautiful? Isn't this fun? They actually say this is a song. That's what he did. He became like us, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's why we love one another. That's why we take care of each other. That's why the Christian church throughout all of the ages has been the most kind, the most generous group of people to ever walk this planet. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sister's Therefore, God the Father exalted Him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave Him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Shout it out, Jesus Christ is Lord. One more time, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus today. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah.